and welcome to the third podcast in the podcast series called The Alphabet of the Heart. You're here with James Kirby and I'm here with Dr. James Doty and welcome back, Dr. Doty. Great to be with you again, James, and I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Yes, yeah, so this is our third podcast, and if you haven't had the chance to listen to our previous podcast, definitely check them out. Um, the first podcast sets the uh, the scene, so to speak, and we introduce you to the concept of the alphabet of the heart. And then uh, in our second podcast, we discuss the first letter of the alphabet, which was C, which was compassion. And in that uh, uh, podcast, we discussed uh, not only why compassion was included in the alphabet of the heart, but also some of the science underpinning it, and as well as a few practical tips on how to bring it into your daily life. Uh, so how did you go with uh, implementing uh, some of those exercises into your daily life during the week, Dr. Doty? Well, um, as a long-time meditator, uh, what has happened to me is that when I first began the practice, and this is the case with anyone beginning, it's like beginning an exercise, and it seems overwhelmingly difficult and challenging. And then as I stayed with it and continued with the practice, it got easier and easier. But the interesting thing that happens is instead of sort of sitting every day for an hour or two in this deep meditation, I realized that I just began incorporating these types of practices into my life. As an example, um, even now, one of the things that I do at home is I have a, a patio that is divided with small rocks between the different uh, pieces of concrete, if you will. And uh, my children and my dog always uh, mess them up, actually. <laughs> and uh, what happens is that I come home and I see this, and uh, I actually just spend a period of time just putting the rocks back in place. And I know that may seem strange, but it allows me to uh, just focus on that, not think of anything else, and be with myself. And in some ways, it's a, it's a form of meditation. And people mm -hmm. even have talked about doing meditation while they're washing the dishes. So you can meditate at any time. But what I do as a daily practice and how I begin each morning is I sit at the side of my bed. And with intention, I relax my body and I focus and as I talked about with the creation of this alphabet of the heart, it was created out of a deep reflection of my own journey and those aspects of that journey that have been very critical to uh, my seeing the world in a manner in which I can walk and be of service and understand at least what I perceive to be important as I walk along that path. And it really uh, came down to these 10 letters of the alphabet that we're talking about during this podcast series. So as you noted, the first one was compassion, compassion to self and others. And the second one is dignity. And what happens to many of us, although oftentimes not consciously, is that we have a tendency to judge people. And we put people into categories of who are worthy of love or respect or caring and who may not be. And really, this is a false notion. Uh, to really care, to be compassionate... You have to understand that everybody has the right to dignity, a recognition of who they are, that they're a person, a person of value, and that they have meaning. Their presence here is meaningful. They have a purpose. And while we may not often recognize what that purpose is or sometimes even see the meaning, uh, the reality is, though, that's the case. And sadly, what can happen in certain situations is that 
the manner in which one has struggled through their own path or their own life has resulted in their dignity being taken away from them, where they're treated as if they don't matter, as if no one cares. And it's very, very sad because when you remove someone's dignity or take it from them, oftentimes they feel they have nothing to live for and therefore nothing to lose. And instead of creating the environment where you motivate somebody to be their best selves, you create an environment which oftentimes leads them to be their worst selves because they have nothing to lose. And recognizing the dignity of another means that you don't look down on them. You're not superior to them. You are looking them eye to eye and respecting them as being a fellow human being on this path who is also imperfect and also struggling and also suffering just like you. And we can all of a sudden see how some of these attributes are so tightly linked. Um, and it, when you talked about dignity there, it made me uh, sort of contemplate how we can be quite dismissive. We can make the judgments so quickly about somebody without knowing anything about them. And um, as, as, our, as our listeners know, uh, these podcast series tend to take a, a structure where we spend the first bit of the time discussing what brought dignity into the mnemonic for, for Dr. Doty. And then the second part, starting to look at some of what the research or science says. And then the third part, starting to introduce perhaps uh, one or two ideas on how to bring dignity more present in your life. And of course, Dr. Doty is the director of C-Care, um, the Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education at Stanford University. And this alphabet of the heart he wrote about into, uh, in his uh, best-selling book called Into the Magic Shop, where he introduced the alphabet of the heart. And yes, today is, of course, focused in on, on dignity. Was it, Dr. Doty, for you, um, the fact that you were in the medical profession where you come face-to-face -face with people, and in some, in some instances, who have, have completely lost so much of their health and well-being, where dignity really struck you as a core attribute that we need to focus more uh, in on in our daily lives? Actually, it happened much earlier. Yeah. Um, if you recall from my book, which is a memoir about my personal journey from childhood to present, mm. um, I grew up uh, as a child of an alcoholic father and a mother who had um, suffered a stroke and was partially paralyzed and chronically depressed and had a seizure disorder. We were on public assistance. Uh, uh, neither had gone to college. And the reality was, in my own situation, as a child, uh, I would see uh, my father, who had been arrested numerous times, uh, treated horribly and as if he was a non-person who didn't deserve care or concern. Now, don't get me wrong, he obviously put himself in situations. Uh, but that being said, no one uh, should ever be dismissed. Um, and then also my mother ended up in the hospital um, multiple times after suicide attempts. And I recall one situation with great clarity where I overheard some doctors <clears throat> speaking. And, you know, my mother had been to the emergency room a few times that month, not only for uh, this attempted suicide, but for other health issues. And we had no insurance. Mm. And I heard uh, these doctors uh, uh, joking, 
saying, you know, here she is again. Why doesn't she just kill herself and get this done with so we don't have to waste our time? Well. (laughs) So imagine, you know, you're a child hearing this type of talk. You're uh, somewhat as, you know, say this about your parent. And it's horribly sad. So, you know, and it comes down to sort of objectifying a person as an object, and that object uh, has no value. And that's part of the problem, you know. Unless you've walked in somebody's shoes, unless you've seen the suffering that they have, it can be very easy to dismiss another person. And nobody deserves that type of dismissal. And as I talk about in the book, even when I uh, applied to medical school, uh, I did not have an adequate GPA that was competitive. And um, I was told that for me to even attempt to apply to medical school was, quote unquote, a waste of everyone's time. And again, this is someone dismissing you, taking away your dignity, who knows nothing about you and is making a judgment based on either uh, uh, superficial observation or a piece of paper. And again, it is demeaning, it's demoralizing, it's dehumanizing. And the reality is there are many, many people who have been in these types of situations and they're valuable people who could contribute incredibly to society. Yet when their dignity is taken away and they don't have any methods or abilities to respond, then they're just cast aside. And we lose so many wonderful people by that. And each of us has been guilty probably of this at some time. In fact, I recall uh, a situation myself where, uh, obviously, as I noted, my father was an alcoholic and I had to deal with this. And ultimately, I understood that he had his own suffering and pain. But I remember being called into an emergency room uh, on one occasion, and there was an alcoholic who had come in, and literally I had operated on him about two months before with a blood clot in his head after falling down after he was drunk, and here he is in the emergency room again, and uh, the same type of situation, except uh, he has blood on the other side of his brain. And I remember walking in the room, and I I was thinking to myself, can't he just die? And suddenly, uh, it hit me that uh, I had actually become what those same doctors did to my mother. Uh and it was very powerful, actually. And and this was at a point where I was highly successful. I was one of the uh, most well-known and uh, uh, prominent neurosurgeons in this uh, very fluent community. And it, it suddenly hit me so strongly that I realized what I had become and that I was not living up to the ideals that I had hoped to. And I actually uh, took several months off. I stopped working to sit back and rethink what had happened here and how I could ever 
have gotten into that position. Um, and fortunately, I was able to gain insight to understand uh, what had happened, if you will. And uh, uh, it's actually been a gift because without self-awareness, without insight, we often create a narrative for ourselves that is self-serving, but it's not nice or it's uh, not truly uh, self-awareness. It's a, a creation of a narrative that supports oftentimes negative behaviors. And as a result of that insight, uh, I've tried as much as I can to sort of be present and be aware of what can happen when you're not keeping, if you will, your eyes on the road uh, and you're just driving, but you don't know exactly where your destination is. And if you don't know where your destination is or you don't have the right intention, you can end up in a place where you never thought you would be. Well, um, your courage there to, to, to share um, those uh, very personal um, experiences, Dr. Doty, was um, really quite incre incredible and, and it, it, very moving. Um, thank you uh, for sharing those gifts, as, as, as you say, um, with all of us. Uh, and it gives you uh, an indication of the texture of the book as well. It's, uh, it's brutally honest um, with some fantastic learning points as well. And uh, at this point, we might um, transition into some, some, some of the songs. <laughs> a little lighter. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that, was, um, that, was, that was wonderful stuff. Seriously magical. Um, but when we look at some of the, the science and research, it's, it's really interesting. In my field, psychology, for example, when you look at some of the best uh, sort of, you know, well-ranked journals in our field um, and you type in dignity, virtually no papers uh, pop up at all, which is, for me anyway, quite surprising. But then if you move over to the medical field and also ethics, uh, you start to see dignity uh, really written about quite a lot. And, uh, for example, you know, uh, Daryl Pullman, who's a medical ethics uh, professor, um, talks about the fact that it's... Dignity enables us to recognise all humans as possessors of intrinsic, inalienable moral worth and really getting to heart of recognising that we're all equal. And George Kateb, a professor of politics from Princeton, also discusses how dignity is equal status of every individual. We're all the same level because we have had no control over being born and we've had no control over what environment we're born into. And creating an identity for yourself from this doesn't make you better or worse than anyone else. And I really think that speaks to uh, what you've sort of discussed there, um, not only in the book, but also in some of your own personal reflections. And if we go a step further, um, an interesting paper in the nursing profession uh, by Rasmussen and Delman in 2014, they found from a patient perspective being treated with dignity is really important because it led to higher satisfaction and a feeling of safety from the patient, which we know can impact positively on recovery. Um, they also found that care without dignity affects patients' recovery negatively, and patients can feel a sense of loss of control, um, and also that they're not being heard, so they're less likely to be honest and divulge important information to um, their treating uh, doctors and nurses out of fear of being dismissed again. So, I mean, these are really important um, outcomes. Oh, no, absolutely. And 
It's interesting that you note that there's a dearth of uh, studies uh, in regard to dignity because it's so intrinsic into uh, functioning in society. And uh, the reality is it gets back to the issue of nurturing and caring. If someone's treated without dignity, by definition, they're uh, being uncared for, they're not being nurtured. And the whole idea of this idea of our common humanity is dismissed out of hand. Absolutely. And I think it was, uh, you know, we can see dignity being so important because if you look at all of, um, say, UN and uh, World Health Organization documents, um, dignity is at the forefront. In fact, in, in UN documents, uh, human dignity is presented as the justification for human rights. So a, person dig- a person's dignity is also um, hugely important to some of our our own lives most difficult and tricky matters such as dealing with assisted suicide and terminally ill patients we're always having to think of the dignity of the person no you're you're absolutely correct and and sadly in the medical profession sometimes when an individual uh, as an example has a terminal illness and uh, we have lost if you will as a profession in the sense of we did not cure them Oftentimes, physicians are dismissive of these people as if uh, now you're worthless. And it's really quite sad because I've seen over and over where this being the case where suddenly the physician's nowhere to be found. And uh, frankly, it's at that point when we're needed the most because being a physician isn't just about um, curing an illness. It's being present for someone. And that mere presence is actually the caring aspect. And uh, the caring goes from the time you were in charge of their care uh, till the very end. And I have told people, and I've given talks about this, that some of the greatest lessons I've learned as a human being is being with people uh, who are transitioning or dying. Mm and it gives you incredible insights, and it also makes you recognize even the person from the most humble of backgrounds can have the most incredible wisdom and can teach you so much, and you lose so much uh, oftentimes um, when you dismiss people. Mm, Absolutely. It was Immanuel Kant who also said that dignity is, is recognized as an absolute inner value in all human beings and that this value is the reason why we should respect others. So if we move on now to the the final part um, of today's podcast, uh, a heavy podcast, (laughs) if you will, Um, and that's starting to look at a few tips on how to bring dignity into our daily lives. And and Dr. Doty's already given a few examples of how we can do this, particularly about setting um, our intention and, and seeing the dignity in the person you're speaking to or seeing yourself in the person you're speaking to at times. No, I think that's absolutely correct. And whether it's in regard to the alphabet of the heart or life in general, it all begins with you. And uh, in this context, um, when you look at another and you have this tendency to be dismissive, if you always see yourself in the other, that actually prevents us from happening. If you repeatedly put yourself in the shoes of the other person as you begin an interaction or a dialogue it protects you from this dismissiveness 
whether it's a person who is homeless or a beggar in the street or even uh, someone who you think is quite accomplished or important. Uh, all of us are the same. The other thing is that what happens oftentimes, and we'll deal with this when we talk about forgiveness, is that uh, sometimes we dismiss people because we feel that they've done something to us or have done some negative act. And again, when we self-reflect and realize that we have been guilty sometimes of the same, it allows the space for us to care and also recognize their dignity and their humanity. Um, and the other interesting thing is that there's a tendency oftentimes to judge others because they think differently than you. As an example, it may be in regard to religion or politics or other issues. And this then leads to oftentimes depersonalization or separation or the uh, feeling that they're not important. What I do, and really this is based on a um, practice that uh, David DeStino at, uh, uh, I believe it's Northwestern, uh, uh, wrote a paper about, uh, but it was, it was looking at others and seeing common ground. Uh, as an example, there's not an instance where a parent doesn't want the best for their child. Uh, children don't grow up being racist or uh, against others. It's something that's taught to them. And when you look at another and think that they have their children, they have children who they're trying to raise, uh, that they have the same issues and are suffering oftentimes the same way you are, or even something as uh, unimportant, frankly, as having a similar interest in a soccer team. Every time you see a commonality with someone who you may have great differences with, when you actually start looking and see, in fact, you have many more things in common than things that divide you, then that's a way in which you cultivate uh, recognizing the common humanity and dignity of everyone. No, absolutely. And, and building off that uh, fantastic suggestion, um, is this other um, strategy, which is often taught in, in many of the compassion interventions, is this idea of uh, either compassionate listening or mindful listening. And it's this idea that uh, you can bring dignity into the conversation and respect the other uh, by fully giving them your attention. And so it's amazing when you're speaking to someone how often you can be in your own head, <laughs> listening to your own voice about what to say next or what that person may have done wrong or the advice you can uh, give them. Um, so a, a small uh, tip that one could look at uh, incorporating in daily life is when you're next with someone, just try to sit there, be present with them and listen to what they have to say. Of course, there'll be times when your inner voice will kick off. Um, just gently acknowledge that and then come back and, and refocus on what the other person is saying. So it's about not interrupting. It's about being there with them. You can show them that you're engaged with them through your nonverbal, such as your eye contact, facial expression, hand gestures, and so on. But it's the idea of allowing the person um, and recognizing the person in that moment with that dignity. You know, it's interesting, uh, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh has written extensively about this idea of uh, compassionate listening, mm -hmm. and it's that technique that really 
allows you to be with one and uh, appreciate uh, that you're both equal and uh, neither is superior to the other and each is worth listening to and uh, not immediately engaging in an argument about what is being said, but simply listening. Because again, when you listen truly, in almost every instance, you realize that there is a commonality and a connection uh, between another human being. Uh, getting back to David Destino, I don't want him to get mad at me since I know him fairly well. He's at Northeastern. So. <laughs> That's very good. Um, so in just wrapping up uh, uh, today's podcast, uh, I think some practical tips to go away with could be, you know, as Dr. Doty was really uh, referring to there, you know, start with you, uh, sweat the small stuff, find the common ground. You might like to you still engage with uh, Ruth's tricks in the morning uh, as part of your routine to set your intention and have that physical cue also throughout the day that could act as a prompt to remember to bring that back to your interactions because it's always a case of coming back to remembering the practice and also perhaps engage in some compassionate listening. So that wraps up uh, today's podcast, which we discussed uh, dignity. And again, thank you, Dr. Doty, for sharing some of those uh, personal um, you know, reflections with us. That was, uh, that was magical. And thank you for uh, the lighthearted conversation. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Um, in our next episode, we'll be talking about the next letter, which is E, which is for equanimity. Uh, but thank you again, Dr. Dodie, and bye for now. And thank you all for listening. And uh, again, James, thank you.